Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxas. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. Today, I have Kate Sweetman, who is the co-founder of Sweetman Cragen. That's a global management consultant, training, and coaching firm. That's a lot of things. And what, they're, what she's going to be talking about today is this age of disruption that we currently live in and how we can use and create quantum individual and organizational change into our lives. Now, she has a new book. She's the co-author of a new book that we'll be talking about, which you'll be able to get on you know, on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. But I'm really excited about having her on the show because she's going to really talk about the, the age of disruption, how we can um, affect uh, that in our, in our lives, and also how we can accelerate all these results, even with the growing competition from every single part of the world. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Tao. Very excited to be here. So I touched on it a little bit, but only you can do yourself justice. So why don't you give us some background about who you are and what you do uh, so that the audience can really dive into your, your, um, your work? Sure. Thanks very much. Um, well, your, your driving theme here is, is diversity, right? And mm-hmm. so in my, in my own way, I feel like my background represents a lot of diversity. Uh, I... Um, I grew up a you know middle class white kid in upstate New York. My dad was an engineer, and my mom was a was a housewife. And here I am, you know, X years later, and I've had the opportunity to work all around the globe with major corporations, helping to make their change efforts successful. Um, so that was a that was a journey that took me to a lot of different places and taught me a lot of different things. So Sweetman Cragen, our firm, uh, is our our tagline is leadership for a world in motion. And what we try to do is help people as individuals and as organizational leaders to go through um, the changes they've got to go through um, because we are living in a time of enormous upheaval. And um, to succeed at that, people need special skills. Right, right. And, then, and these special skills, when did you discover that you had your special skills? <laughs> when did I discover I had special skills? Well, we're, <laughs> we're on an ongoing journey, aren't we, all of us in our lives? <laughs> Um, you know, you know, it's hard talking about yourself, isn't it? On, uh, uh, well, like, you're an amazing person, Kate, so I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> all right. So do I have special skills? I would say, I would say that what I'm better at than most, uh, I'm a very good communicator in writing and I would really recommend anybody to really work on your communication skills because it makes you very distinctive. Okay. I'm also pretty good at networking. I'm good at figuring out, gee, if I want to get to this next step, you know, who can help me and, and how can I get to know them and how can, how can I help them in return? And I think those are probably my two outstanding things. I also really like to um, learn. And so I've always been a student of whatever it is I'm interested in doing. 
And so, uh, again, if I play a leadership role, I think it's because of those three things. I'm good at learning and I enjoy learning. I like getting to know people and I think they like getting to know me. Right. Um, and, and I, you know, work at that. No, well, the reason I asked that question was because I, I had a feeling you were going to say something we're writing and, you know, we have you on the show here because of your new book, which is reinvention, accelerating results in the age of disruption. And one of the things that fascinated me, first of all, I, it's a great book. Um, you all should definitely get it out, check it out. But you talk about the ability to create quantum individual and organizational change accelerated. So I read the book, but can you explain to the audience what quantum individual and organizational change is? Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, we are living in this different age. And, and if you want to, we could talk about why we think that's the case. But basically, since the early 1980s, there have been so many global events that have driven this warp speed change that have affected the business world and just the world in general. You know, technology changes, um, economic changes, global competition, geopolitics, management theory. We've delved into all those things and said, you know what? These forces have been unleashed and they're not going back in the in the bottle. And so what when when Shane and I got together a couple of years ago and said, you know, let's do a different kind of consulting or let's do a different kind of writing. Let's do a different kind of idea bringing into the world and tool creation. What do we want it to be? And we decided, you know what? We live in this time of quantum change. It's not continuous change. Back in the day when I got started in this leadership business, the idea was that you would people would be in a state, you would unfreeze the state, you'd change it, and then you sort of refreeze it, and then you could live that way for five years. <laughs> That's just not true anymore. <laughs> because you laugh, you laugh. I know, how quaint, right? But that really was how people thought, and that's why you could have five-year plans, and that's why <clears throat> you could have these careers that followed a certain trajectory and map it all out. That's all out the window. I mean, who knew? Imagine if that's how you were thinking at Nokia. Unfortunately, that is how people were thinking at Nokia. Hey, we own 34% of the global handset business. We have nothing to worry about. And along comes the iPhone, right? And so story like story after story like that is happening. And so we define reinvention as quantum individual and organizational change accelerated because it's a discontinuous change. You need to deal with it on the individual as well as the organizational level because neither of those will change without the other. And it's in a constant state of acceleration. So you have to have the ability as an individual or an organization, or I should say, and an organization, to change and pivot and morph faster than the speed of this external environment that you're operating within. And, and not only do you have to do it as an individual, you have to um, do it as a company because your results also have to be showing that because that's how you make this change that you're going through sustainable. It's, it's, so, it's so incredible what you're saying because I often say – even though we live in a digital and globalized world, not many of us act digital or global. And I'm not sure how to sort of cause that mindset, uh, mindset change in people and organizations, but it is, you know, looking from the outside in, it's, it's, it's almost incredible to see all these big organizations like Yahoo, for example, who had recently just went through another acquisition, um, who did not see what Google was doing, right? Who did not see what the other people were doing or yeah. like all these other organizations where whether it's, Facebook for MySpace and everyone saying, or Kodak and, and, you know, digital cameras where these were establishments and the people that failed to adopt or adapt were just swallowed, no matter how big they were before. Even like IBM and all these people. So it's just fascinating to me. So I just kind of want you to talk about that. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And look at Macy's. I'm going to date your podcast now, but Macy's just had to close 100 stores. Exactly. And, I saw that. And, and, and what's that, you know, and hello, you know, the bricks and mortar shockwave revolution happened 20 years ago. And what what's the deal with Delta not anticipating uh, their own sh their own requirements so much that they had to shut down? Exactly. Just last week. So you're you're absolutely right. And the, I love the language you're using about, you know, not seeing it. It can be around you and yet you don't see it. It's a cognitive issue. And we actually in our book. <clears throat> Uh, talk about what we call the six deadly blindfolds, which is a little bit tongue in cheek, but it's actually true. We've identified six fundamental reasons why individuals and organizations ultimately become irrelevant and ultimately fail. Um, because by the way, that's your choice now. You're either going to succeed or fail. It, it, it's really not sort of limping along so much in fourth place. It really is, you, you know, the, the, the competition is just too stiff. 
So we've identified what we call six deadly blindfolds, and they all come from ego, ultimately. But one of them is just arrogance. And this was this is Grace. This is the the Nokia example I was giving you. And I don't need to go through all six if you don't have time. But I'll. Oh I'll no, give I, I have the time. I have the time. I definitely want okay. to get all six. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, the, the first one we would talk about is called arrogance, and this is definitely the Nokia story. Arrogance says, "I don't care what's going on. You can tell me whatever you want, but we're who we are, and we're always going to be that way." And we know that that's not true. That's not true of you know, countries, that's not true of societies, that's not true of families, that's not true of companies. And so if you're so arrogant that you think, hey, we've always been successful, we'll just do what we do. And everyone else can, you know, eat my dust. Well, that's not true. So arrogance is definitely something that gets in the way. The second one is what we call negative feedback, not accepted, which is you can bring me whatever information you want, but I, I, I don't really care. Um, you know, a great example of that, unfortunately, is actually, um, and, and by the way, in our book, we go through a lot of esoteric examples. Um, they're not all business examples. So an example we give is actually around NASA. When the um, phone broke off the Challenger and all those astronauts died in this spectacular, horrendous, awful flame out, um, you could go in and you could look at why that happened. And the reason why it happened is because people were giving feedback. They were trying to get it up the chain of command and it wasn't listened to. And why was it not listened to? Because, because I have an agenda. And by the way, none of these people are evil, right? They're just under a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. They've got deadlines and milestones and their own KPIs and all these things that get in the way. And they're just like, we don't have time to worry about your negative feedback. And of course, what has to happen in the age of disruption is you have to listen to any piece of information that comes your way and realize that sometimes even the smallest pieces seemingly smallest pieces of information are the most important. So it requires a tremendous level of alertness on the part of leaders to listen. Another deadly blindfold is dismissing competitors' success. Um, again, comes, it comes, it, this is another form of ego, but a uh, great example, my partner Shane Cragen was at uh, Microsoft back in the day when it was Steve, still Steve Ballmer running it, and they were, he was with a couple people sort of doing some research, and um, they talked to one of the senior strategy people at the time and the guy volunteered. He goes, listen, you're probably wondering what we're thinking about Apple. You know, why is it they're doing so much better than we are? I'll tell you, it's one word, luck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow. and say, tell us more. And he's like, listen, you know, he opens these genius bars, you know, these Apple stores all over the place. Fortunately for him, he had the iPad coming out at the same time. So, you know, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. And it really wasn't until, it was not until there was a new CEO with a very open mindset who embraced the cloud and embraced partnering and did all those other things, who opened up their world that was able to get Microsoft sort of moving again. Yeah. Um, another blindfold is well, we know what's best for the customer. And, you know, there is this thing about leading the customer, taking them someplace they don't know that they want to go. But essentially, you still need to know who that customer is, what they care about, what their pain points are. Um, you have to know what their other choices are. Um, so it, you, you have to have some sort of in, in, interest in and empathy for the life of your customer if you're going to truly get them what they need. I'm really curious to see, again, dating your podcast, what's going to happen with um, Apple when they take away the... Um, that external uh, uh, access for the headphones. Oh yeah, that's that's you know? actually that's a great question. I don't know. Yeah. You know what's gonna, <laughs> what's gonna happen? Because I look at that, and actually, it was actually my daughter who brought it to my attention. She's a teenager. She's eighteen, and she said, "I can't believe they're doing that, Mom. They're just doing that to sell more headsets." Wow. You know, you know, you know more, uh, you know more. Uh, uh, virtual headsets, you know, I thought, yeah. whoa, you know, she's not alone. She's not <laughs> alone. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, best of luck to you, Apple. But I, I think that you just, you know, people are too smart and they can't be fooled and they know what they know and they're out there and information is so accessible yeah. that you really have to be not just know what's best for the customer, but look out for what's best for the customer. And that is what is going to make them loyal to you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and as you're going through this formula, one company keeps coming to mind. I, 
Facebook when I when I was first when I first you know got familiar with Facebook around 2007 2006 I was you know going to college at the time and it was just a social network and it seems like every day they make interesting acquisitions whether it's WhatsApp Instagram and and just becoming like a Google essentially where there's search engine and advertising and I'm going through I'm listening through you you talk about your deadly sins acknowledging competition um, arrogance and it, it's just funny that I don't know Facebook because I think Facebook will be successful, but it's not now they're not a social media company. They're just a a company that's connecting the world in interesting ways, which Google was doing when Yahoo was prem was prominent. So I'm always wondering yeah. if Google and Facebook who's going to actually win out in the end. That's kind of where my mind was going as you were saying those deadly uh those deadly. Symptoms. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there is this um, requirement to grow in this, in this world. Uh, and so how do you do that? How do you do that in a way that's best for the customer and that doesn't lose your own strength and message and, and capability? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Interesting. So, so go, uh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I just had two more blindfolds, which, uh, believing problems don't exist, which is just the head in the sand thing. You know, we've got this issue and basically we don't know how to deal with it or we can't deal with it, or we don't have the social ability to deal with it <laughs> and so we just are going to pretend it doesn't exist <laughs> and that's related to also the, the sixth and final blindfold deadly blindfold which is avoiding the unavoidable mm. you know just just pretending like we're okay we're not going to go off the cliff we're not going to go off the cliff <laughs> we're not going to go off the cliff and then you go off the cliff and that's what happened so wait so if you're talking about these six blindfolds there has to be there has to be a way where people can actually fix this danger and threat of them i mean in fact you probably have some matrix i don't know it might be the reinvention agility matrix maybe <laughs> it's in a book i don't know but you did read the book thank you <laughs> uh, do my research so can you uh, can you talk about how you can combat those blindfolds with uh with your reinvention agility matrix yeah sure yeah the reinvention of and also dare i say dare i share with you the message of mavericks as well um because <laughs> You know, basically what needs to happen, you need to have a mindset of openness. You have to have a mindset of openness. You cannot have the mindset that, you know, we know what we're doing. You need to have both. You need to have the confidence that you know what you're doing and you need to have the humility to think there can be a better way. In fact, there might even be a radical, a better way. So before I talk about the reinvention agility matrix, how how right you are to mention that. Um, I, I want to share with you a little metaphor that's in the book, which we call the message of Mavericks. And the message of Mavericks is the way that we try to get people to really internalize, hey, you really do need to be paying attention to what's going on in the world. And it's not just your little industry, you know, your industry or your functional area. It really is the larger world out there. Because there's a lot of people who, in the interests of being efficient, read, you know, their industry magazine or even their functional magazine. Like I work with HR people a lot. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a mistake to only read, you know, HR today or HR executive or whatever. You got to be reading slate. You got to be reading Huffington post. You got to be reading the New York times. You got to, you got to be reading overseas information. If you're in a global, even if you're not in a global business. Right. So anyway, the way we talk about that just real quick is this metaphor. It's actually a surfing metaphor. There's a, there's a, uh, an area off of uh, Half Moon Bay, which is south of San Francisco, which has the most incredible, powerful, scary, deadly waves in the world uh, about two weeks out of the year. And if you are a competitive, sponsored surfer, you want to be there when those waves are breaking because it tests your metal. It puts you into the pantheon of surfers and it also gets you, you know, great contracts, right? So... So, but you, nobody knows when these 80 foot waves are going to start breaking a mile off of uh, Half Moon Bay. And so the way that people know to get there on time is that there are buoys out in the Pacific Ocean that are constantly monitoring the wave action. And when those waves are ready to become, when those swells are ready to become those waves that you actually want to surf, you know, a message goes out and you can be in New Zealand or France or Chile or wherever it is you are and you jump on a plane with your surfboard and you go there and you're there for those two weeks when the opportunity is 
has arisen for you to be a star, you know? Yeah. And so the message of Mavericks that we have is, you know, you got to decide as an individual and an organization, are you going to have buoys out there? Are you going to be listening? And when you're listening, are you interpreting? And are you knowing when to act? So are you going to buoy or you're not going to buoy? And then a corollary to that is maybe you're going to disrupt. Maybe you're going to be disrupted, right? Maybe you're the ones who are going to, you know, create some new waves. So that, that's the first thing I would say. And so you have to have this ability, this willingness and ability to say, hey, you know what? I know there's going to be change. I'm going to go, I'm going to get ahead of this thing. I'm not just going to wait for it to hit me because too many people sit and fearfully wait. So, so that takes me to the reinvention agility matrix, which you so aptly pointed out. <laughs> and um, when, that's basically, you know, think of four cells, right? And one of the, one of the, one of the, axes is, you know, how flexible are you? And the other axis is how big is the shockwave that's coming at you? And so if you're living in a world where the shockwaves are really big, you really have to be very, or, or coming at you uh, suddenly or frequently, you've got to be what we call a judo champion. And we all know the story of, well, I don't know, not everyone, a lot of people may not realize, but judo is the one martial art where you're really using the energy of somebody else coming at you against them, mm. right? They come, you know, you're little and they're big and they come at you with all this force. And rather than stand your ground and get smacked, you actually take that force and you flip it back on them and you defeat them using their own force. And so that's why I love, I have to give Shane credit for this. It was his idea of the judo champion. And it's just really, really true. And in fact, judo was created as a, as a defensive martial art by a, by a martial art um, expert for his little son who's getting bullied in the schoolyard, right? Yeah. For those, of, for, those of, for those of us who feel like we're being bullied in the schoolyard of business or anything else, how can you use that power and that energy that's coming at you to your advantage? So that's the judo champion. So that's where you really need to be. And there's attributes of that judo champion that we can talk about. Um, but then after the judo champion, there is uh, what we call the change agile and the change agile. They're not the first mover. They're not that judo person, but they, they need a little more ROI proven to them. They need a little more, a little more evidence. Um, but then they're willing to move. So either way you have to be a person or, and, or an organization, because those two things go hand in hand, right? Yeah. An individual can change very much if the organization is rigid around them and non accepting of this new place that they want to go and need to go as a human being. But also an organization cannot change if the people within it are not willing to shift. So that's why we, that's why our book takes place on both of those levels. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I have a funny story. Oh, please share. <laughs> so my funny story is I was giving this talk. It was uh, actually up in Canada. It was a great audience. And this young woman who was just bubbling over and she came up to me. She says, listen, I know you're going to talk about how people don't want to change. And actually, that's not really what I talk about. But anyway, because actually, I think people want to change. They just need to know it's good for them, right? Yeah. But um, <laughs> she said, I just want you to know, I love change. I embrace change. I just can't wait for it to happen. And I just want you. I said, that's great. So then I give my talk. And she, she's the first one to pop up her hand at the end of the talk. And she says, I just want you to know, I love change. I embrace change. I can't wait for change to happen. I said, that's great. I said, what's your question? She goes, well, I just want to know, how can I make sure it doesn't affect my day. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> At first, I, so I made her repeat it, right? And then I thought, you know what? Um, she speaks for millions, right? Because we all want to benefit from these wonderful new things that could be happening around us. But we all have routines and relationships and ways of doing things that are comforting to us. And we don't really, most of us want those particular things to change. And so I had to empathize and also say, but they will, and your day will change. And so the mindset that the judo champion or the change agile person goes through is I am going to not be in a place of stasis. I'm going to be in a place of flow and things are going to be changing around me and I'm going to be changing. And actually my tomorrow is going to be better than my today because of that. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's the idea of overcoming resistance and inertia, and then ensuring that that yeah. cha that change you know enforces and aligns with the end goal. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. 
Wow. I'm still shocked by uh, how can change not affect me? <laughs> but uh, it is. It's funny. It's, yeah. Yeah. I think she, I think she speaks for many. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's so clear when you look at the uh, political and business landscape today where, you know, it's there's that inherent fear of change or something that's different that a lot of them try to deflect it away from their individuals. And it's almost like you they're avoiding it, like you said. It's just like, what? It doesn't affect me or I don't see this. So I've never I, I have this. Look, if it's like a black lives. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Marathon, I have a black friend, so I'm not ready. You know, all these type of stuff where you're qualifying. Yeah. So it doesn't affect you. I'm like, come on. But I don't. Yeah. And I don't need to take it up. And, you know, our topic really is leadership. What we're trying to help create, just like you, is leaders yeah. who can thrive in this environment and who can help other people to thrive in this environment, too. And so what it really takes is, as you say, OK, I, I have one black friend or I have one female friend who's yeah, one female friend who's got a, who's got a who leads an organization. So I'm in the clear. You know, <laughs> and actually takes is a lot of people saying it's what is happening now may be better but it's not good enough exactly and so we need to drive this thing and it is a tireless it is there is no end it's you know there's an expression the the price of liberty is eternal vigilance yeah and these days i the price of leadership is just eternal change and just willingness to say okay let's get up today let's what's going on how are we gonna and it is it is a deliberate intention a deliberate choice to have energy around that to have energy and to help other people have energy around that instead of saying, Oh no, I need to learn this new thing today. Yeah. By the way, in my own personal life, the transition I've had to go through is around technology. I have never wanted to learn new technologies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not who is, you know, that it just, it isn't how I thought of who I was. Right. Um, and then I had to recognize in myself that that is, just dumb. It doesn't, I, I can't be this person who doesn't know how to do these things. And so, and what I discovered in myself was once I made the mental shift and it really is fairly recent, um, suddenly things became easier mm. suddenly be, because my own level of resistance, my need to fight this because for whatever reason, I thought it was too hard or too inconvenient or it's not who I am. Um, that was actually the bigger barrier than learning new technology. I did say, so that's, I mean, yeah. That's, yeah, that's incredible. So I didn't mean to interrupt. I, <laughs> no, you didn't interrupt. I, I, but so in other words, we all go through this. There's nobody here who's perfect. There's nobody here who's the, the eternal change champion. We all have things that we just don't want to deal with or things. That, but you, what you need to do is you need to have your buoy out there and say, okay, in the past, <laughs> I have not wanted to deal with this wow. in the present and in the future. I need to get over that. That's true. That's true. And we've been talking about change for the last few minutes. And one thing I like about your book is you have, first of all, I love the way you structured the book. And you, you and, um, uh, you know, your, your co-author. I love Shane the way. Craigan. Yeah. Shane Craigan. Yeah. Shane Craigan. I love how you, you structured the book and you talk about this five reinvention accelerators. And the reason I bring that up is because you're essentially saying, how one can promote the strength necessary needed to outpace that speed of change. Uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, ultimately it does come down to the individual and ultimately it does come down to you. And so we said, well, you know, what are the traits of someone who really can take this on? I mean, what are the traits you can develop in yourself that can really take this on? Or what are the traits that an organization can help their people to embrace, to take this on. And what we 
came to realize through a lot of research and also just our own reflection and experience is that, you know, the number one thing that needs to happen is, is, is a set of what we call leader sets, right? Which are basically your, your mindset. Again, it's got to be toward growth and opportunity and, and learning. And once you have that mindset shift, then people are willing to adopt schools, skills and tools, new skills and tools that lead to new behaviors. One of the errors, you know, there's a lot of criticism of corporate learning. And it is true that while there's many good things that come out of corporate learning, that it doesn't move the dial as much as it needs to. And I think it's because um, the go-to place is to is for corporate education folks, and by the way, education folks in general, to work on skills and tools without first addressing the mindset. Unless you have a mindset for learning, for growth, for curiosity, for joy, for inventiveness, you know, for all those things, unless you have that mindset, whether you're talking about a kid or an adult, mm. they're not going to be open to learning the skills and tools you give them. Right. They'll say, yes, yes, yes. And they may comply in the moment and they might even be excited for a little tiny bit. But unless there's a genuine shift, a real shift, like me and learning to use Facebook. <laughs> just, oh, I know I'm embarrassed, but it's true. We all have to share our, our weaknesses. Um, unless there, unless you really have this fundamental shift, which is I, I don't just need to do this. I want to do this. This is going to be great. This is going to be fun. This is going to lead to a new outcome that is going to be so beneficial unless people can get that, you know, you've got, no, I mean, Simon Sinek is wonderful and he talks about the why, and that's really what he's talking about. You know, I need to know why this is. Wow. Once I understand, wow, I'm excited, but just the sheer joy of learning, you know, little kids know this, but somehow along the way it gets beaten out of many, many people and it needs to be, you know, watered again and, and flower again. The other thing is, um, and this goes to your central diversity message, um, which is actually a number of things around diversity. But it is um, one of the things that we talk about is just different people think in different ways, right? Yeah. And 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 partly it's it's this um, what we call the Ned Herman's uh, wonderful instrument called the Herman Brain Dominance Indicator, which is something we use all the time. A lot of people know about it, but it talks about look, some people think very logically. Some people are very much about organization and process. Some people are just all about people and interpersonal connection. And some people are just super holistic and intuitive and logic isn't really their driver. Um, Unless you are open to the idea that other people think and learn differently and actually value and prioritize different kinds of information in different ways, it's going to be really difficult for organizations or teams or even couples to respect each other's point of view and be open enough to bring them together. And so we spend a lot of time when we work with organizations to say, how is it you're thinking and how is it you're emoting and how does that connect into the people around you? And are you even conscious of it, which most people aren't right? so that when you can do that, then you can truly then you can truly say, look, I know why I'm here and I know why you're here. And I understand how the value of the two of us together is better than the value of either of us apart. Um, that's something that we talk about a lot too, because that's how you get new ideas. It's also how you get shared energy and true collaboration and better outcomes. That's, that's, that's so brilliant. Um, I mean, I, I love everything you're saying and I, I can't, you know, soak it enough. And ladies and gentlemen, if you really want to understand more, once again, the book is, is called reinvention, accelerating results in the age of disruption. And that is on barnesandnoble.com, Kate, as well as amazon.com, right? Thank you. Yes. Reinvention, accelerating results in the age of disruption. It's on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. We want everyone to buy it because we believe in it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, hey, and I, I believe in it as well. I, I want to go a little personal here. So I, we haven't talked a lot about Shane Cragen. How did you meet huh? Shane and, you know, talk to us about your company, uh, Sweetman Cragen? Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, Shane is uh, actually Shane and I met through um, a company that we both used to work 
with. I live in a very networked world. I actually, I, I feel like I'm the first millennial <laughs> because, okay, not the first, but I'm an old millennial because I've been living that sort of gig economy, um, networked, um, very shifty, shifting, I should say, not shifty, <laughs> um, career uh, for many, many years. Um, and so I've had my own firm, um, always sm- small for many years. Um, and I've also, uh, collaborated with a lot of firms. And so one of the firms I used to collaborate a lot with is a terrific firm called RBL. And the guy who runs it is Norm Smallwood. He's a, we were co-authors of my previous book, Leadership Code. Um, anyway, he's a great guy. He, he runs a small outfit and, and he had a whole network of people around him. So I was part of that network. Shane was part of his network. He brought us both in on this really interesting project with, um, global bank working on their ethical issues. So Shane and I met over that. And so we got to meet each other. And then again, I feel this is a very millennial story. So didn't keep in touch at all, actually. Um, met again years later, worked on a project together, didn't keep in touch. And then, and then when I came back from my three years in Asia, um, he was at a point in his career when he was reflecting on, you know, what's the best thing I can do? with my next 10 years. And I was at a point of saying, what's the best thing I can do with my 10 years? And we both had just this wonderful conversation where we said, we love what we do, but we don't feel like we're doing it as optimally as we could because we really need to re-examine what leadership is needed for now. And he actually had been doing a lot of research. He gets all the credit for the global shockwaves work in our book because he really had been doing a lot of research saying, what truly has happened to this world and where is it going? And, and out of his work, we said, it's not, it's not, this, this change isn't changing. This is not a period of time. This is for the foreseeable future. Actually, the future is not foreseeable, but going forward, This is only going to accelerate and it's only going to get quantum. And that's really where our work came out. And we said, you know what, let's figure out how can we really, really define what's going on, define what leadership should be, help people develop the skills and tools so that they can go forward with greater confidence and greater effectiveness and greater joy, actually, because a lot of what makes people unhappy these days is just uncertainty and lack of confidence around being able to deal with who knows? <laughs> right? Right, right. So, so that's how we came together. Yeah, that's no, that's really cool. I, lo- I love hearing those stories. I, I want to talk about your personal life in terms of traveling. You said you, you talked about it briefly there with Asia travels. Why is your career taking you around the world? And how has that made you think about your daughter as, as she's a third culture kid, essentially? Yeah, actually, I have two daughters. I have twins. And, twins? Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and they're both going to college next Yay. week. Ah. <laughs> so, um, but it's it's also fun. It's also fun to see them heading off with such excitement. You know, they're very positive um, people, and they're very enthusiastic about what's going to be coming their way. So, that's really fun to see. Um, so, I, I, I may have mentioned, um, you know, I, I actually grew up in a small town, but I've always had a curiosity about the world and. So I feel like my career has actually sort of followed globalization. Um, starting in the early 1990s when I was working in consulting, first we worked in America and then the multinationals went to um, Europe and so off we went to Europe and then and then they jumped to Asia and then I've been to the Middle East. So I've had these amazing experiences and what I found, this goes to your third culture um, message here, I would go out on these journeys and then I would come back. And my kids were still in this lovely little town that we live in, but it was starting to feel smaller and smaller and smaller to me. And I felt that as they got older, they really needed to get out. And they'd had the chance to do some travel, but, you know, vacationing is quite different from living somewhere. And so I had this amazing gift, which was an offer from the Central Bank of Malaysia to come and be head of leadership for this boutique uh, consulting and research firm that they had created to help to improve the theory and practice of leadership and governance in Asia. And it was, Governor Zetti was an amazing visionary, and she felt very strongly that the reason why there's troubles in the world that lead to recessions um, is because we don't have sufficiently responsible 
uh, knowledgeable, um, uh, um, you know, corporate boards and um, senior leadership. And I agree with her. So this was an unbelievable experience, uh, opportunity for me. And the timing was perfect because my girls were 13 years old and it was, it couldn't have been a better time to take them into this completely different culture and this completely different place and let them experience that. So, um, they did lead a, you know, of course the expat life is pretty posh and privileged. Um, but at the same time, you're still in Asia and you're still, and if you're a parent who wants them to, you can take them to see all sorts of different aspects of that, you know, which we did. And because they play competitive sports and because they were in this international school system, they got to actually travel and stay with families in Singapore, Jakarta, Taiwan, um, you know, Taipei, um, Bangkok, you know, all over the place. Wow. And it was, it, it, is, it really has um, really benefited them so much. And they do speak French. No, yeah. that's good. That's good. And have you have you had as a mother and seen the changes in them? How has that affected you? Because I know initially when I was growing up, my mom couldn't. I, I there was I just didn't know how to handle the first change, and then I grew to adapt to the changes and love it. But my mom, my mom, you know, and I love my mom. She's the strongest woman I know. She she would just remind me that I'm not different i'm not inferior to anyone that it, i matter and i was a 10 year old kid thinking everybody else is better than me so i just want to know from your point of view if you saw any changes with, with your daughters and you had um like wow i love that she's getting this experience or i don't know how to handle this experience um i guess i have two answers to that one is the international experience and the other is sports um oh, yes so the international experience is yeah, it totally opened up their world, and I think that they've just met so many different people from so many different backgrounds that they really are pretty colorblind, to be honest. Right. And and I have the, I had this I had this um, conversation with a friend of mine recently where when I was a kid growing up, I could I was very aware of people's ethnic backgrounds, and I don't know why that, that is, but I could hear a last name and I know if it was Italian or or French or. English or whatever. And, 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 and my kids are just clueless. They have no idea. They just, they think that that's actually pretty great. I don't even know why I knew that we must've somehow been hearing that. And, and it somehow it seemed to matter, but to them, it just doesn't matter. So I think that's number one, fabulous. Number two is I, as much as I think their international experience mattered to them, what mattered to them at least as much and even possibly more was when they returned to uh, Milton, which is the town we live in in Massachusetts, through sheer good fortune, they encountered this amazing coach. Um, as I said, they've both been in sports. Their sport, their primary sport had been soccer, but this guy is a, he does uh, cross country and track. And he is an amazing guy. In fact, we're doing a documentary about him uh, at Sweetman Cragen with our dear friend and colleague, Dennis Sullivan, who runs a who has this, uh, his own outfit called Idea Studio, and he does narrative documentary um, or narrative video for corporations to mm -hmm. bring great conversation into corporations. But anyway, in a nutshell, this guy's name is Tom Shaw. He goes by T. Shaw. He, um, as my friend Tara says, took a ragtag group of, you know, good track kids and made them into a national team. They are now nationally ranked. And the way he did it was through honestly being this leader accelerator that we talk about in our book, because he helped to shift their mindsets from I'm a good runner to I can be a great runner. I mean, in all humility, what he did was he helped them to see that actually their best could be better. And it was a matter of setting goals and working toward goals and setting goals and working toward goals and experimenting with different ways of doing things and um, you know, new behaviors like getting up and running, you know, following this plan, um, and new skills like eating even better, you know, and that all led to behaviors and they smashed every, uh, um, uh, high school. They went on to win their division. They went on to win States. So I, that experience for them, when I ask them, I ask because they live living in, they love living in Asia and they say, yes, we are going we came back and they actually speak of him 
and they speak of that experience. And they talk about not just um, their own personal growth, but even more, they talk about what a fabulous team it was. It's, it's, it's actually amazing. In fact, they would describe it as a culture of love on this team that makes them each want to excel individually, but in the service of the team. I love that. And, and it, by the way, it's a super, it's yeah, a and super by the way, group? it's a super diverse team. Super diverse team. Super diverse team. You've yeah. got yeah, all girls on all different backgrounds, you know, all, you know, ethnic, um, socioeconomic, racial, and, and they are just in love with each other because they have this leader who helps them to see how they can individually and collectively create this amazing result. I yeah, I absolutely love it, and I I often talk about how sports got me out of my my shyness, and and it really became one of my connections. It was sports, pop culture, and geography. But sports, I play I've played sports all through my life, and it's been my saving grace. It's the way I connect to the world. So I love hearing just that story and how your daughters have really gravitated towards that, and, and that's incredible. It's a testament to you as a mom, and testament to their their um, innate ability to figure out how to connect as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that ability to connect is, is so. I think that that yeah. So you, you've you've brought me to a nice summary place, which is I think that what they've done is they've gotten to a place where they can connect with anybody because they approach people as people. Exactly. Um, that, that that's amazing, and that's what I like to preach about a TCK mindset, a third culture kid mindset. You don't necessarily have to be a third culture kid, but it's kind of like what you say in your book. You know, just you know, accelerating results in the age of disruption. And what I'm trying to promote is the idea that. Living in a diverse world, we should act as diverse and global as it is and put in the effort. Be open-minded, as you say, and um, just seek to make those connections and always stay ahead of the curve. Actually, you just you put a thought in my head just now when you're talking. And yes. there is a bridge between what they experienced in Asia and this experience on this track team. And I think the bridge is that when they came back to home and they re-entered um, the soccer team, which is a great team, but it is much more homogeneous because, as you know, you know, it, it, just the nature of the track to get to be, you know, able to operate at the varsity level on in high school in American what we call soccer. Um, <laughs> it does require a lot of investment on the part of the families, you know, club fees and all this stuff, and and so you, I think, you end up with a much more homogeneous group of people on the soccer team. Whereas the track team trajectory is much different. It's just kids who love to run, and then they come in and they really learn to run, you know, at the high school level. So I think one of the things that um, living overseas did for my girls was it made them dissatisfied with the homogeneity that they experienced on the one team, and they were drawn to the diversity on the other team. Not to mention he's a fabulous coach. So I, I hadn't even thought of that until we were talking just now. But I think that that, that to me is the the bridge connection. Ah, that's amazing. That's amazing. I, lo I love when that happens when you when you able to connect the dots because it's it's you know it's a beautiful thing and I can tell that your daughters are going to be amazing ambassadors because obviously they come from you. So. Oh heck! <laughs> All right. I'm a nomad. I'm a nomad for sure. I, I don't know how much they'll be nomads. They're probably more sensible than I am. They'll stay home. <laughs> no, but 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 that's the thing. That mindset will help in in the workplace or whatever with their friends and help them educate. So. Um, that's 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 incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to close. But before I close, I, I, I want to just ask you this question. I ask my guests all this question. How do you use your difference to make a difference, Kate? Uh, that's a great question. So my difference, I would say, <clears throat> is probably that I'm female. Um, I, you know, it, it, I mean, I. I think I am an unusually good writer. So that is actually a huge skill that I've got. I urge anybody listening to this, particularly young people, really do the best job you can to learn to be a great communicator because that is going to set you apart. So that's number one. But I think at this stage of the game, I think that being female is a big help because the world actually is asking for more diversity. They really do want more diversity. Um, and so I think when I show up at a potential client engagement or speaking engagement or whatever, and I can be that other person, it's actually a, a plus. It's a benefit. Right. You know, a generation ago, they might have said, who is this lady? But now they're saying, oh, thank goodness, you know, we've got somebody who's a little bit different. Because, <laughs> you know, and, and people are looking for that. And I think that's, that's great. And so I try to, you know, make the most of that by being, you know, the best as well as the femalest. <laughs> you know? Hey, embrace um, who you are. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I, I, you know, I can't speak highly of the book enough, and the book is called Reinvention, Accelerating Results in the Age of Disruption, and I'll leave you all with this. It's from Ranjini Manyan, who's the founder and CEO of Global Adjustments and the author of Doing Business in India for Dummies. He describes Reinvention, Accelerating Results in the Age of Disruption as the go-to leadership book of the decade. Cragen and Sweetman played a role not so much as sages, but as trusted guides by your side, providing powerful and practical strategies and tools for immediate business application at the individual and organization levels. You can grab your copy on Amazon.com as well as BarnesandNobles.com. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Kate. My pleasure. Total pleasure. Ah, pleasure is truly mine. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.